I'm Samuel Spencer. It's Wednesday Twilight in the Big Town, and that can mean only one thing. The 2000 Chart Show. The 2000 Chart Show. Right, it's the 2000s chart show, the podcast where every week we are revisiting the UK Top 40 Singles Chart from 20 years ago. As I said, I'm journalist Samuel Spencer, and you have just heard the number 40 hit from 20 years ago today, Time Is Running Out by Muse. That's the first of nine new releases for the week concluding October the 11th, 2003. It was a week when Jane Horrocks got an OBE, presumably for services to gay iconry. But you look too young. <laughs> Just kidding. You've got to say that one. Yeah. The film Calendar Girls was released, which meant we all got considerably bigger buns. We're going to need considerably bigger buns. And the UK rugby team won some world thing. Who cares? No, for those of you who do care, the English rugby union team won the World Cup this week 20 years ago. And of course, Johnny Wilkinson's thighs won a place in many of my personal private fantasies. But we will get into some of those later, maybe. We won't. But what we will get into is new songs from Amy Stutt, Travis, DMX and the people who gave us inspiration for our intro, S Club 8. Now, usually you, people who have been listening to the podcast for a while may, be, may have noticed that we've had up to 15 new entries in a week. So this week we've got nine. It's great. Let's take things nice and easy for once. Let the soothing waves of pop music wash over you as we take our time. Keep it easy. At 40, Muse may have said that time is running out, but we have plenty of time. We're so relaxed, in fact, that we could be sleeping with the lights on, which, whoa man, would you believe it, is at number 39 this week. Staying solid at number 39 in its eighth week, Groovy. By the way, you can hear all of the songs that we play on this podcast in full over at the 2000s Chart Show Spotify playlists. You can find there a playlist of everything that we've played on the show so far that's available on Spotify, as well as a playlist of my personal favourites, which I think Sleeping With The Light On features on. If not, I will have to add it. Although I had a look at the lyrics this week and they are a little puzzling. We've talked a few times in this podcast about commonly misheard lyrics. Of course, 50 Cent's got a butthole full of bud being the most classic. But usually the misheard lyric is more ridiculous than the actual lyric. But that is not the case with Sleeping With The Light On by Busted. Some people have heard one of the lyrics as shocks went through my veins. And that's mis- That's a misheard lyric. That's wrong. The real lyric is sharks swim through my veins now. That's sharks swim through my veins now. What does that mean? Does it mean that you're in so much emotional turmoil that your very blood is eating away at you? I guess. Yeah, this is, of course, from the genius lyricist who gave us I messed my pants when we flew over France. The rhyme doesn't really work when you say it like France, does it? Or I took a trip to the year 3000. This song had gone multi-platinum. Everybody bought our seventh album. It had outsold Michael Jackson. Pop fans will be pleased to know that actually Busted did release their seventh album in in 2023, Greatest Hits 2.0 being their seventh release. So I'm looking forward to 977 years of that dominating the airwaves. Good to have something to look forward to as the world burns, isn't it? If you like the idea of Busted and Hanson doing a duet, you can hear that on that album. But on here, you can hear the first of our nine new entries. Here is More Jack featuring Raz Conway with Stars. If the sweetest and if the left should turn into right, I'll blame it all 
can't help but think, and this is one for those of you who were children in the two th- early 2000s like I was, that more Jack sounds like it should be a character on Raven. You know, more Jack, you must face the way of the warrior. Yeah, Raven was a kind of... Su- Scottish mixed with Somerset Pirate, right? Yeah, sure. This is not an accent podcast. That should really be our new slogan, I think. Yes, 2003 was the era of Raven, the CBBC show in which a load of kids from the home counties did a series of CGI-assisted challenges in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. An absolute classic, and every person on that show was given a unique, vaguely mystical name. Well, you heeded my warning about the demons. Well done. But Sejen, Lydav, Dala... Although you showed great skill in evading the demons, you were not quick enough. And so it had been, I think, a great mystery for many of us where these names came from, whether there was some genius crack writing team who were coming up with these names. But then you find out, no, they're just... They've just put random bits of their name together to make a new name. So, for example, the winner of the first season was Lamar. If there's any justice in the world... Not... Not that Lamar. They took his first name, Mark, and part of his surname, McLaughlin, to make Lamar. Similarly, the runner-up in second place in the series one of Raven was Intho, which was Thomas Tho Ingleson in. There we go. There's some millennials out there whose minds have just been blown by that. You're welcome. But of course, Morjack is a Danish electronic duo and not a Raven character. But they did kind of get their name in a similar way. It's a combination of the two members' names of the duo. That's Morton Lambertson, Moore, and Jacob Johansson, Jack. Hence, Morjack. Unfortunately, the British record-buying public didn't want any Morjack because this is their only UK Top 40 hit. But it did get onto the Radio 1 C list. So well done to Morjack and the person providing the vocals for stars, Raz Conway. Not very much about him online. He is a half Danish, half English singer. Apparently, according to his Twitter, he travels the world playing his music. Good for him. He offers two different links on his Twitter to his various projects, both of which are dead. So we wish the best for Raz Conway, but I really have not got much to tell you about him. But I can tell you that 37, down from 21 last week, was Download It by Clear. Clear, very much a band before their time. Yes, that's right. The band that was the fourth band to come out of Popstars The Rivals about a year after it had finished were before their time. Now, I promise you, because the song is, of course, called Download It. And this is only at the very beginning of official music downloading. Of course, Napster's existed for a few years. Ask Metallica about that. But at this point, you couldn't get even get iTunes if you had a Windows PC. So you only could really put songs onto your iPod if you had an Apple Mac. Releasing a song called Download It in October 2003 was very much like releasing a song about AI at this point 20 years ago. You can imagine Clear doing it. AI it, AI it, you gotta type that prompt for me. I, AI, <laughs> yeah, good. You get the idea with that. Bad at singing, bad at impressions. And yet we persist and continue. And we continue specifically to number 36, down from 29 in its third week on the chart, Love at First Sight by Mary J. Blige and Method Man. Method Man, in case you were wondering, got his name because Method was a slang term for weed in the neighbourhood where the Wu-Tang Clan met each other. And that perfectly fits into this very chilled out episode. Mm. So that was Method Man. And is there Method Man in my madness, man? I don't know, but let's keep the chill vibes going with, let's see here, who's next? Oh, Metallica, brilliant. Am I Napster? Because uh, Metallica ruined everything for me. Determines my dance style, my lifestyle. 
previous episodes about Metallica for more on their battle against downloading. So they are at 35 down from 16 last week, a 19 place drop for Frantic by Metallica for a single from that the album that is universally regarded as their worst album. So no, it's departure from the chart, not much of a surprise. But now let's round out the bargain basement of this chart and get us into the 20s by finishing the 30s. At 34, Dance With You by Lamar. 33, Miss Independent by Kelly Clarkson. The sounds of the birds and the bees Bringing you to your knees is all I want to do, yeah This almost this never let a man help her off her phone So I keep it on her protected She'd never ever feel rejected 32, Never Leave You, uh-oh, uh-oh by Lumidy and at 31 our second new entry this is from Turin Breaks oh joy five mile brackets these are the days if I tell, tell you what, what you you're new to this podcast welcome pop music lovers cheering breaks have kind of become on this show a representative of all of the dull middle of the road soft rock of 2003 before the second indie revival kicked off at the start of 2004 which isn't quite fair but my god the cheering breaks pump out some dull music in my opinion this song just sounds to me like it's ready made to be used in an ad for some fake craft beer that tastes of bitter piss you know one of those adverts where everything is like orange because it's like so sun drenched and everyone's just chilling casually in some random bit of green now obviously on this podcast this week we love being chilled but not necessarily in the way that the beer ads want us to do because no one has ever really had tinnies in the park that is like it is in a craft beer ad there's no one being sick in a bin there's no one with weird sunburn lines because of their the strapping of their weird boohoo top and there's no hummus and you're not doing tinnies in the park in my opinion unless there's mashed chickpeas of some description but anyway it is not the soundtrack of some shitty craft beer it is the second single from cheering breaks album ether song in case you're wondering where cheering breaks got their name we talked about it in, on our 7th of june episode but if you haven't listened to that they apparently tried a whole bunch of names and eventually cheering breaks stuck according to cheeringbreaks.nl the fact that this name didn't mean anything and could just mean the music itself and nothing itself was a huge pro that's according to cheeringbreaks.nl the netherlands premier cheering breaks fan site lot of competition for that title that website by the way continues saying so they didn't capital didn't they really want you to know they didn't choose the name because turin was their favorite city they hadn't even been to turin up to that point or that they had brakes on their cars that originate from turin well they very well could have but that wasn't the reason for the name this guy who runs this turin breaks fan site having a great time it just sounded good and admit it does sound good no, I refuse to. Turinbreaks.nl, webmaster. He's being chatty and fun there, but I much prefer the shady tone of the Turinbreaks Wikipedia that notes that Five Mile charted higher than Average Man, but was largely overlooked by UK radio stations. And so to perfectly capture the spirit of 2003, which is what I aim to do with this podcast, let's overlook the song now and instead listen to Turinbreaks cover on the live lounge in May 2003 of No Scrubs by TLC. And is also known as a buster Always talking about what he wants And just sits on his broke ass So no, I don't want your number, no And I don't want to give you mine, and no I don't want to meet you, no, and no I don't want none of your time I don't want no scrub 
Grove is a guy that can't get no love from me. Hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride, trying to holler at me. You will not believe the shady corners of the dark web I had to go to to find Turin Rex's cover of No Scrubs from BBC Live Lounge. In fact, you could say that I had to go into the web wilderness. That's wilderness. Which, <laughs> would you believe, is our number 30 hit this week. Down from 20, Jürgen Vries featuring Sheena's Wilderness. Wilderness, another chilled segue there. So now we've made it through the wilderness and on to number 29, Sean Paul, down from 27 in his sixth week on the chart with Like Glue. Can they want big up them chest? But they don't know that to go for the area to that's the best. I wouldn't they love it's a sound up all this. When I get up in a guy, you only girls we are request of me to get them. You win every minute and we did forget. 28 now, our next new entry. This is Polaroid with So Damn Beautiful. You couldn't tell by the way that I pronounce that. That's Polaroid, P-O-L-O-R-O-I-D, as opposed to Polaroid, the camera company, who, of course, spell it with an A. Very much giving... I mean, shining. You want to get sued? So, yes, So Damn Beautiful by Polaroid. Got to hit that O hard. Despite being a new release in October 2003, this song had existed since at least 1999, when it first began appearing on various dance compilations and on the soundtrack to the film Human Traffic. It then slowly began to gain fame from being used on coverage to soundtrack the England football team's various footballing victories in 2001 and 2002, but it was not released as a single until now. Why it took four years for this song to be released, we'll never know for sure, but there is a number of reasons why. The first is perhaps due to the sad circumstances in the band of Polaroid, they were originally a trio consisting of Daniel Rowe, Lee Milliare and or Milliare and John Horrocks, but unfortunately John Horrocks committed suicide in May 2001, leading to Daniel Rowe to continue using the Polaroid moniker as a solo artist, so it could maybe be the kind of various legal issues around that that stopped it being released. But you may also be thinking, mm, it's still the sign of a pretty bad record label if they release a song that was buzzy in 1999 in 2003. And so it might not surprise you to learn that Polaroid's record label would declare bankruptcy in 2004, three days before the release of Polaroid's debut album, which is pretty tough going for Danielle Rowe. That record label, by the way, is Telstar Records, who we've talked about a few times on this podcast with relation to Mystique and the Cheeky Girls. But they were also the record label of Victoria Beckham's unreleased second album. We will talk a little bit more about them next month because their financial problems are going to lead to the end of Mystique and then are going to be blamed almost entirely on Victoria Beckham. So we will explore their story as we go along. I'll just add now, I've also seen coverage where Telstar Records bankruptcy is blamed on them giving a huge advance to Claire Sweeney, the Celebrity Big Brother season one runner-up who released a album of cover versions in 2002. So obviously I'm going to have to end this section with Claire Sweeney's cover of What If by Kate Winslet. Stayed if you tried, if we could only turn back time. 
else. So thanks, Claire, not appearing on this week's chart, although that did get to number 15 in the UK album charts in 2002. Anyone who looked like they could be your mum, but could also sing in a post-Jay McDonald world, clearly very valuable. Speaking of people from the North, here at 27, down from 23 in its fourth week, is Bradford's finest, Gav Gates with Sunshine. Music video for Sunshine, by the way, according to its Wikipedia page, was infamously available to vote to enter the MTV2 viewers chart, despite the channel being entirely for alternative rock. It gained under 10 votes. It was occluded on the vote as a joke, according to the citation needed Wikipedia page there. I guess you had to be there to get that joke. But as we've explored in previous weeks, Gareth Gates, very much a bit of a joke in 2003 after his dalliance with Katie Price. But this still did not stop him from being named the best international male for the 2003-04 season by the MTV Asia Awards. So obviously his sitar-backed spirit in the sky paying off among Asian listeners. So that's Gareth Gates at 27 and at 26, his Nelly, P. Diddy and Murphy Lee with Shake Your Tail Feather. down from 25 in its fourth week and is just being pipped to the post at number 25 our next new entry rattling straight through them because literally who are any of these bands here is hope of the states with enemies slash friends Slash Friends, of course, also being the title of the Dizzy Rascal getting stabbed in Cyprus saga. It's not, but listen back to previous episodes to hear all of the drama about Dizzy Rascal getting stabbed and whether he did or did not pinch Lisa Mafia's bum. But none of that is relevant at all to Hope of the States, who, according to press about them at the time, were discovered after sending a demo to the Planet Sound teletext page. And just saying the words teletext page makes a wave of nostalgia hit me like a tidal wave, an almost orgasmic tidal wave of nostalgia there. How to explain teletext to someone who didn't get to live through it. It was like the internet before the internet, but it was all numbers on a TV and stunning 8-bit graphics. Google it. So clearly, taking the novel step to fame of finding a record deal through teletext and this novelty continued to Hope of the States's record designs. So Hope of the States, for context, are an indie rock band from Chichester, which is a lovely little city that I have visited. No, Best known for its theatre festival where you get a lot of interesting theatre plays being tried out before maybe going to the London's West End. So yeah, must have been a bit of theatricality in the air of Hope of the States because they decided to be a little bit theatrical with their record releases. So their first single was a song called Black Dollar Bills, which instead of being in a usual CD jewel case, they decided to sell in Hessian sacks, which were hand-stitched by the members of the band. Which actually I'm I'm all for because we've all been in that situation where you you open a CD jewel case too hard and you lose one of those bits that, that the front bit hinges on, or you accidentally leave it on the floor and then the little teeth that keep the disc in place all come out. So none of these problems you have with a Hessian sack. And then if that wasn't enough, they then designed the cover of the Enemies slash Friends single to look like a Civil War era letter. So good for them. They also were not above courting a little bit of controversy. Their, the video for Black Dollar Bills was banned by MTV over what they called inappropriate images of genocide during what else, regular listeners? The Iraq War. By the way, that's the first of two mentions 
to that particular conflict in this week's episode. So keep an eye out for the second one. Then Enemy Slash Friends got them their first appearance on Top of the Pops. But then just like Polaroid, tragedy struck for Hope of the States too. And this is actually an awful story. So this is on January the 15th, 2004. They were putting the finishing touches to their debut album in Bath. Five of the six members leave the guitarist in the recording studio to just finish up a few things where they go to watch a film. They go back to check on him about half an hour later and they found out that their guitarist Jimmy Lawrence had committed suicide. In an interview with The Guardian, the vocalist Sam Herlihy said that when he saw him he screamed, cried and didn't stop screaming. Really, truly harrowing stuff. They still, in all interviews, they say they can't work out why he did it. But the band did decide to continue and This is the first of their four top 40 hits and they will have their biggest hit on the UK top 40 next year, perhaps with, you know, fans of the band paying tribute to their late guitarist. So yeah, a sad note there for Hope of the States. We'll get to talk about Hope of the States with their three other UK top 40s. But for now, let's move on to number 24, down from 17 in her third week on the chart, Louise with Pandora's Kiss. Just in case I accidentally call her it in the future, by the way, my pop gay friends, we all call Louise Jeannie because we once saw her at, I think, Brighton Pride a few years ago and she had a backdrop that was her name Louise, but in her handwriting. And it really, really did look like the word Jeannie. So I'm going to have to try and track that down before Pandora's Kiss leaves the chart. By the way, just on the thinking about the idea of Pandora's kiss. So Pandora's box or Pandora's jar was a jar that the gods put all the emotions in. And then when she opened it, she let out all, you know, rage, fear, terror, anxiety out into the world. So am I led, am I therefore supposed to believe that Pandora's kiss is like you snog someone and then they're like, blah, hatred, fear, depression, right in your face. Because that's quite, that's quite a graphic image that Louise does not get into into that, in that song very much. So Louise, a.k.a. Jeannie, at 24, and at 23, down from 22 last week, in its third week, here's Senorita by Justin Timberlake. Meanwhile, we have Broken Silence by So Solid Crew down from 15 in its third week on the chart. And Broken Silence is the subject of one of my absolutely favourite bits of pop trivia. This is from everyhit.com. Apparently Broken Silence by So Solid Crew is the only known top 40 single in the UK to contain a 17 letter word. It's found in the lyric, it's like we're imprisoned in the ghetto and it's getting to me to the point where I'm feeling institutionalised. That's 17 letters there, institutionalised. Truly the hero of this episode for me is whoever did the work to get that bit of trivia. It was probably a load of work that was totally unnecessary and 99.9% of people would be like, you have thoroughly wasted your time finding out that little factoid. But the luckily the naught point not one percent or who would care about that all listen to this podcast i hope you enjoyed that as much as i did just like the person who there was once a fact that i saw online that said that saint john's wood tube station was the only tube station that didn't contain any letters of the word mackerel and i thought great i love that someone did the maths there they are that kind of thinking is what keeps humanity alive it's in fact thinking like that is the reason why when it comes to humanity, you can't hold us down. That's can't hold us down, which is at 21 
down from 19 in its fourth week for Christina Aguilera and Lil' Kim. If a guy have three girls, then he's the man. He could even give us some head and sex or roar. If a girl do the same, then she's a whore. But the table's about to turn. I once read somewhere that Lil' Kim is so Lil that she's actually eligible for disability payments in the US. She's four foot nine and a half, in case you were wondering. But now I can't find a source for that anywhere, so could just be spreading fake news. So sorry about that, if that's the case. But I thought that was interesting and worth sharing. Just like it is interesting to look ahead at what we have in the top 10. I will admit it's a slow week, but there are some great songs to come. And it's also a very brief window in which there's less to talk about because for the next three weeks, there are between 14 and 15 new releases a week. So this is a brief let up. Let's see what we have coming up this week. So at number one currently, Where Is The Love by The Black Eyed Peas. It's been number one for four weeks so far. And if it can manage another week this week, it will make it to five and it will become the longest running number one of the year. Will it do it? Well, it has two major obstacles this week. First of those is S Club 8. So far, they have not had a number one single. Their first three singles, One Step Closer, Automatic High and New Direction, all bangers in their own way, all got to number two. And then their last single, Fall No More, got to number four in July 2003. So they will be surely hoping for their first number one. They want to mark not being the S Club Juniors anymore with their first number one to match S Club 7, who managed four number ones. So if they're going to get anywhere near that number, time is a ticking. We will see if Sundown is able to get in its way. But also trying to get Where Is The Love off the top spot is Amy Stutt with Under The Thumb. Her last single was her biggest hit so far. I think it got to number six. That was Misfit. And now she's going to try and beat that with Under The Thumb. My favourite of her songs and maybe one of my favourite songs of 2003. Not to jump ahead, by the way, but there is a week towards the end of the year in which there are no new releases at all. So I think we're going to do a best of 2003 list so we can see whether Under The Thumb, if we're honest, may have a better chance of being at number one in my own personal list than it has on this week's chart but she still has a big chance of getting to number one and also likely to get into the top 10 is Travis you know obviously this podcast is generally against middle of the road indie but Travis is the it's the caviar of bullshit early noughties British indie Travis also haven't had a number one hit yet although they did have a fascinating chart run in the 90s and the 2000s with every song doing better on the charts than the next one but never quite getting to number one they have had the first top 10 hit in August 1999 with the absolute classic why does it always rain on me everyone's favorite PSA against why you shouldn't lie when you were 17. Then Turn got to number eight in November 1999. Coming Around got to number five in June 2000. And Sing got to number three in 2001. So just two spots away from number one there. They'll be hoping that the first single from their new album, 12 Memories, will be able to do what none of those songs could and get to number one. But Black Eyed Peas Fierce Competition sold about 250,000 copies at this point, but they could very well sell a few more and stay at number one. You're going to have to keep listening to find out. But for now, let's get into the top 20 with at number 20, Pretty Green Eyes by Ultra Beat. That's in its ninth week and down from 18. Now our next track got me in a big wormhole. This is number 19, Hey Whatever by Westlife. And it's led me into what I'm going to call my Westlife weird wormhole. So in trying to find something to say about this song, the hilariously named Hey Whatever, I watched the boys do an interview with Eamon Holmes on GMTV. Pretty normal behaviour for me. So there's kind of a quite boring interview. They're talking about the fact that Nicky got married in France. And then they ask a question to Brian. He like puts his palm out to Eamon Holmes and he has an eye on it. And then everyone reacts like this. And Brian, your family has grown a bit since you last came in. How old's your youngest daughter? Oh, no. <laughs> He's doing it. Don't it you remind us of that. <laughs> the family are great. <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> um, yeah, the family are great. Now, hasn't it? <laughs> 
Look what you've done to us. Do you know, I sat for five minutes, five minutes, and this man said nothing to me. So then obviously I thought to myself, what's the deal with this eye on the palm thing? So I looked it up and it's a reference to a 2001 interview with David Blaine that Eamon Holmes did in which the magician just refused to speak to him and then showed him a his palm with an eye on it. Is this part of the show, this, this sort of Mead and Mooney persona and the stare and the eyes and all that sort of thing? That's just you, the eye and the hand. And what is that? What, what is the eye and the hand? Let's see that again. It's protection. Protection. Very weird, but it, it is relevant to this being a show about 2003 because it's actually it's actually mad that we haven't talked about David Blaine yet because he really was one of the big talking points of 2003. At this point, 20 years ago, he was 36 days into a stunt in which he was suspended above the Thames in a glass box without food. This was part of a series of stunts he'd been doing in the 2000s. One saw him stand on the top of a pillar in New York for 36 hours. Another one saw him encased in a block of ice. And all the American stunts had done pretty well. Americans generally quite impressed by watching a guy stand on a pole for a long time. But Britain, shall we say, less, less amused by David Blaine. I don't know whether this is something to be proud of or ashamed of, but among the things that British people did was have barbecues in the vicinity of David to try and tempt him away from his box. Someone sent a burger up to him via remote control helicopter and other people pelted him with eggs and paint-filled balloons. Also, golf balls were struck in his direction from Tower Bridge and drummers would play during the night to keep him awake. So yeah, on one hand, it's the peak of kind of tabloids being the self-appointed piss takers of anyone, any performance art or modern art. But on the other hand, it's a sign of one of Britain's great strength, which is taking the piss out of everything. So there we go, putting you into a little bit of the 2003 context. Now, of course, if somebody bloody put themselves on a in a bloody box for 44 days, they'd be doing it for bloody TikTok, wouldn't they? Yep. <laughs> yes, they would. Good. Let's just move straight on for that. Number 18, another new entry. This is Milk and Sugar with Let the Sunshine In. Sugar are a German house producer duo comprised of, of course, Gerhard Milk and Hans Sugar. No, I'm just kidding. They are, in fact, Michael Cronenberger and Stephen Harding. And this is their cover of a song from the 1967 musical Hair, which, fun fact, featured the first nudity in a West End musical. In fact, they had to postpone the West End debut of Hair to basically change the law to allow nudity on stage. But actually, so I'm just going to check that. I'm just going to just got to check and... Um, no, there wasn't a production of Mary Poppins before that where she got her norks out. So, yes, Hair was the first nudity in a West End musical and the song Let the Sunshine In became a hippie anthem. The most famous version of the song came from the American band Fifth Dimension who got to number 11 on the UK charts with it in March 1969, whereas in America it was much more successful. It went to number one on the Billboard Hot 100, becoming the second highest selling song of 1969 and still the 73rd highest selling song of all time on the billboard charts certainly the fifth dimension remains the most famous version of let the sun shine in but it is lacking something that the milk and sugar version has and that is vocals from robert pattinson's sister yes the full title of the artist for this is milk and sugar featuring lizzie pattinson and that is pattinson as in robert pattinson this is his older sister by two years in case you were wondering and this unfortunately she has not reached the success of her acting brother although he was able to give her career a little bit of a help by i imagine helping her do get the gig of doing backing vocals on the twilight soundtrack here we can hear her on one of the songs Then she nearly found fame again in 2014 when she got to Judges' Houses on X Factor. Hi there. Have we met before? Do you look familiar? Maybe in your dreams. Oh, Lizzie! Good answer. I like you. And what's your name? My name's Lizzie. Nice to meet you, Lizzie. Nice to meet you too. What else have you done apart from singing? 
I mean, I've been working as a receptionist. I've just got a new job working as a personal assistant. Okay, good luck. It feels like home to me. At the time, Robert Pattinson told an E! News journalist, I'm so excited about it, she's going quite far already. I'm just amazed that she's doing it, it takes so much balls. They asked him, would he ever do a singing competition? He says, never, not in a million years. I love the show though. Now, Robert Pattinson, famous for lying to press in interviews, but I think the biggest lie he's ever told was that he loves The X Factor. Yeah, right, mate. You can't be in a David Cronenberg film and then like The X Factor. Those two things are just not compatible. So Lizzie Pattinson getting milk and sugar to number 18 and at number 17, down from 14 in its second week on the chart is UD Project with Summer Jam. we have our last new entry to not be in the top 10 this week and I'm very glad it is not in the top 10 for reasons I'll get into in a sec here is DMX with Where the Hood At Even if we squash the beef, I ain't touching the head. I don't f with chumps. For those that been to jail, that's the cat with the Kool-Aid on his lips and pumps. I don't f that think they bras. Only know how to be one way. That's the dog. I know how to yes, get that's where the hood at. His follow-up to his number six hit from May 2003, X Gone Give It To You. But a very silly title. Where the hood at? It's at the top of the jacket, of course, silly. Duh. DMX, what you like? Oh, except that's a great question to ask, in fact. What are you like, DMX? You are hugely homophobic as the lyrics to the song Where the Hood At show. Here's just a sample of some of the homophobic joys. Last I heard, y'all, Ensler, was having sex with the same sex. I show no love to homo thugs. Empty out, reload, and throw more slugs. How are you going to explain fucking a man? Even if we squash the beef, I ain't touching your hand. Yes, a lovely piece of homophobia there from the man who brought you the lyrics. And if you've got a daughter older than 15, I'm a rape her. Take her on the living room floor, right there in front of you, then ask you seriously what you want to do. That's from his song, X is Coming, in case you want to avoid that at all costs. Out of all the homophobia in hip-hop, however, and of course there is a lot, DMX's Where the Hood At does offer some of the funniest homophobia, because as a lot of people have pointed out, it also contains some of the most homoerotic lyrics in the entirety of hip-hop pop so this is a bit later in the song he says since we all hear you hold my dick while he's sucking it i beat my dick and bust off in your eye so you can see me coming so yeah he has no love for homo fugs but he will force you to give him oral sex and then ejaculate on your face if you're a man but not in a gay way in a gangster way of course lgbt stands for lesbians gangsters bisexuals and transgender people. The homophobic lyrics of this song, by the way, are said to be about Ja Rule, who has had to frequently deny being gay throughout his career. And of course, we have no reason to doubt what Ja Rule says, but he did in a beef with 50 Cent call 50 Cent a power bottom. And I do have to say, it really is only gay people who use the term bottom as an insult. So not quite sure what's going on there. But I do know what's going on in this chart, and it is that a song that is proudly homophobic is sitting at number 16, which admittedly is 10 places lower than his last song, X Gone Give It To You. So that teaches us the valuable lesson about 2003, is that you can't get into the top 10 being violently homophobic, but you can get into the top 20. And what's more 2003 than that? You've got David Blaine in a box, homophobia everywhere, 2003 in a nutshell. And next we have a band whose very existence could be said to be a homophobic hate crime, Nickelback with Someday. That's in its third week and down from 10. But luckily, gay listeners, which would you believe, I believe we have some, shocker, we have with these next three songs, Something, 
for every kind of gay that's listening. For you emo gays, we have at number 14, Down From 8, Going Under by Evanescence. At number 13, for you soap gays, we have Innocent Eyes by Delta Goodrum. And for the elder gays, we have Are You Ready For Love at number 12, up from 13. by the way in its 15th total week on the chart had six weeks in the lower reaches of the top 75 in 1979 three weeks earlier in 2003 when it was released on a limited edition pink vinyl and now six weeks since it was in at number one at the start of june making it one of elton john's 10 number ones and listen back to that june episode if you want to hear us run through those number ones because it truly is the most berserk list of songs there ever was but for now elton john is at number 12 just behind another former uk number one also up this time from 12 in its 10th week on the chart blue cantrell featuring sean paul with breathe That, by the way, is the 10th week that Breathe has been on the chart, making it the joint longest running song on the top 40 between that and Lumadee's Never Leave You Uh Oh Uh Oh. Breathe a huge number one across Europe, including in the UK, but Blue Control has alleged that her disputes in her record label meant it wasn't promoted properly in the US, which led to it being a flop, which she has said has derailed her career. But the, what actually ended her relationship with her record label is very funny. She said in an interview with the website You Know I Got Soul that her record deal ended in 2004 because Arista, her record label, simply forgot to renew it which is very funny. There was a lot of change at the company at the time because the one of the big executives called L.A. Reid left at the company. He had signed people like Usher, Pink, Avril Lavigne and Dido. So in kind of all the legal wranglings of deciding who was going to go where after he left, they just forgot that they had Blue Control's contract and so it lapsed. You know, you often hear about you know record labels making bad decisions, but you don't often hear of them just straight out forgetting to renew someone's contract. Of course, there is very much the possibility that they said that they forgot to her, but they kind of actually just decided they weren't going to renew it and then just let it lapse. But it's funnier to think that they just were like, oh, shit, I knew I had something to do today. It was Pilates, then drink my juice and then renew Blue Control's contract. But I forgot. Oh, so annoying. Talking about bad record label decisions, by the way, we'll talk in a minute about one that affected our number 10 new entry. Is it Travis? Is it Esclabate? No, it is Amy Stutt with Under the Thumb. round really got the exclusive about what Under the Thumb was about at the time. Their entertainment reporter Adam, who I think is the guy now who does newscast on BBC, is like quite a big deal in BBC reporting. This wasn't his finest hour, shall we say. He asked her, it's called Under the Thumb. What's the story behind that? And she said, the song Under the Thumb is about being under the thumb. Wow, crack the case wide open there. It's just written about that feeling of somebody having you in their power and basically I'm getting revenge on somebody who had me under the thumb. Brilliant. Who would have thought it? Groundbreaking indeed. 
We've previously talked about Amy Stutt's very swift rise and fall in 2003 and the early bit of 2004. She had her... All of her hit singles were between the ages of 16 and 17, and by 18 she had been dropped from her record label. I think that's in, like, two singles time. Which, I mean, this is where we get into the bad record label decisions. They dropped her after her record False Smiles allegedly sold a paltry... 200,000 copies. That's a number that record labels would dream of now. They'd be openly salivating if they sold 200,000 copies. But back in 2003, that was enough to get you the chop. And to continue the note of record labels not being the nicest to their talent, Amy Stutt has alleged that she only found out after a Sun article said that she'd been dropped from her record label. She has said, One day I called my management and they asked me if I'd seen the article in the Sun about me being dropped. She said, I laughed and said, No, but that's ridiculous. Why would they print that? And they said, Well, actually, it's true. (laughs) Yeah, I guess that that isn't funny, but it is also the phrasing of that is a little bit amusing. She also, I think from interviews that she's done since, it may have almost been a relief that she was dropped from her record label because she has had an ongoing battle with stage fright and kind of various mental health issues that we've discussed previously. And now clearly this was a difficult time for her because she told a interviewer in 2021 that she doesn't play any of her old songs anymore. She The interviewer asked her, you co-wrote the majority of those earlier tracks. Do you still play them? Under the Thumb is still a cracking song. Agree. And she says, oh, ah, thank you. No, I don't play them anymore. It would feel to me like I was moving backwards to play them now. The new material is much better anyway, I think. So Amy Stutt, a promising career, quickly burning out. I I mean, look at who's beating her in to number nine. It's the most famous musician who ever was, Elvis Presley with Rubbernecking. Probably when they did the chart show for this, that was probably the first time that anyone had said the words Elvis Presley and Amy Stutt in the same sentence. But good for her to be among the companies she deserved and beating Elvis Presley. And this makes sense because the impact that they have had on pop music matches his, I would say. Big Brothers with Baby Boy down from seven in its fifth you week. You keep on loving me. I keep on loving you. you. Keep doing what you do. I feel your whole aura and I can wait to hook up again tomorrow. I didn't mention earlier that that uh, quote that Amy Stutt gave about feeling like she'd be moving backwards to play her old hits was f- an interview with the publication Gig Sluts. That's Gig Sluts, of course. If that wasn't already a great enough name, Sluts spelt with a Z. Lovely stuff. So Amy Stutt at 10, Elvis at 9, Big Brothers at 8, and at 7, our next new entry, it's Travis with Reoffender. in a very weird situation in 2003 their 1999 album The Man Who spent 134 weeks in the top 10 of the chart selling 2.6 million copies and then its follow up The Invisible Band sold another 1.2 million copies so you would think that there are, this is the point either where a band flies into the stratosphere or they implode. And unfortunately, it was the latter that happened to Travis. Although admittedly, it wasn't all their fault. Tragedy struck their drummer, Neil Primrose, who had what enemy called a freak accident in a French swimming pool. At the time, the band issued a statement reading, while relaxing in the pool, Travis drummer Neil Primrose struck his head and was knocked unconscious. After realising his predicament, other band and crew members dragged Neil from the pool and gave him 
home assistance. He was taken by ambulance to the local hospital in Belfort to receive treatment and to undergo tests. Early indications suggest that Neil had sustained a fracture on one of his vertebrae and is still in hospital in France undergoing further tests. Yes, it was discovered that he had broken his back. He had to have it reconstructed with a lot of metal and he had for some time a permanent mild paralysis. So a little bit unclear exactly what happened in that statement, although he later revealed in interviews that he had basically dived into a pool that was too shallow. One of my, probably my top five fears as a child. This is why you have to listen, look at those no diving signs, guys. You know, in terms of things I was scared about as a child. Scurvy, Ebola, the Spice Girls never releasing another song and diving into a swimming pool that was too shallow and breaking my back or biting through my tongue or all of the things that my mum constantly for some reason told me would happen if I jumped into a pool. So that had already happened to the drummer, but then the lead singer Fran Healy began dealing with a lot of depression as kind of happens to a lot of people who experience massive success. This depression led to him making the album 12 Memories, the 12 memories of the title reflecting, he says, 12 reasons why he was depressed, essentially. And Reoffender, probably the most the most difficult of those to deal with. It was, this song is about... To quote Fran Healy, Reoffender is a song about my mum. My dad was very abusive towards my mum and eventually my mum left him. But I was always like, why did you stay so long? He just always said the same thing. He said, I'm so sorry, I'll never do it again. And then he did it again. I always felt annoyed at my dad, but as I got older, I started to realise if you don't look at the root cause of things, nothing ever gets fixed, nothing ever gets sorted. This gave him the chorus of the song, which reads, because you say you love me and then you do it again, you do it again, you say your sorries and then you do it again. He, Fran Healy went on to say, my dad was like that because his dad beat the shit out of him every day, even when he was a little boy. And so that was my dad's toolbox to deal with anything that was complicated or involved him trying to work stuff out if he felt threatened. So yeah, darker themes on 12 Memories, as well as re- offender he they had songs that dealt with the invasion of iraq by the u.s and coalition forces tick that there's your second reference if you're waiting for it and also the depression and anxiety of being suddenly world famous but it wasn't all doom and gloom because they also released a song love will come through which was later featured in a marketing campaign by the post office so that's nice isn't it nice and something has a happy ending so yeah not much to make jokes of there although I will point out that the album is called 12 Memories and there are only 11 tracks. Not sure what's going on there, but maybe the 12th memory is repressed and so doesn't appear on the album. Wow, Travis are geniuses. Certainly Fran Healy has his moments of genius. He's certainly got a great way with words. Here's him speaking to Drowned in Sound about the moment where he realised that 12 Memories might not reach the level of success that his previous albums had. He said, when we did 12 Memories, it was sort of, I just realised Fran Healy is Scottish. What am I doing? When we did 12 Memories... It was definitely a moment, no, okay, fine, where every fucking band was like us, because after the man who did so well, the business signed everything that sounded like that. It was like we'd found this brilliant, quiet, serene spot, and then two years later, it was a fucking casino, so we had to disappear from there and go and find somewhere else. So Travis basically there taking the blame for the the middle-of-the-road indie boom, finding it hard not to hate them, but I won't, because I secretly like their song Driftwood quite a lot. Anyway, he late in this interview, he then says, I remember hearing Joe Wiley on the radio saying, this is the new song from Travis, it's about being trapped in a brutal relationship and I went oh fuck who wants to hear that on drive time but I guess enough people to get it to number seven but certainly not matching the heights of sing that got to number three and certainly not enough to topple the black eyed peas from the top of the charts also unable to stop the unstoppable rise of will I am apple d app taboo and Fergie is at six staying firm at six from last week superstar by Jamelia <laughs> into our top five one new release remaining from s club eight with sundown and songs from the darkness dido rachel stevens and of course the black eyed peas which of those is at number five it is dido with white flag Be. 
issue waving the white flag and surrendering to? At four, it's good news for Black Eyed Peas fans because it is our highest new entry of the week, Sundown by Esclave, which means unless there's been a sudden rush in support for Darkness and Rachel Stevens, we're about to have another week at number one for Black Eyed Peas. But first, here is Sundown by Esclave. from Esclave talking about this song. Now, your new single, it's called Hannah. Sundown. Tell us a bit about it. Um, it's just about us. It's like the sun going down and we're all having a big party and it's really good. So yeah. Make sure you buy it. <laughs> See, that's interesting because I didn't hear her say this song is about Friday Twilight in the big town. And everyone knows this song is about Friday Twilight in the big town. One of the all-time great lyrics, in my opinion. Sundown, Friday Twilight in the big town. You might think, okay, calm it with the Friday Twilight in the big town. What do you love about that so much? Well, I love the fact that it's Twilight in the big town rather than Friday Twilight in the big city, which, which means that basically it's the S Club Juniors slash S Club 8 saying that they can party, but only in a place without a cathedral. It is canonically a song about going out in Swindon or Milton Keynes. Love that idea. And I also just love the idea, and this is generally what I think what I love about S Club 8, of listening to a song about getting ready for clubbing by a group who wouldn't legally be able to club for another four years so i love all of that and i also love that they took a leaf out of the s club 7 playbook this week and just didn't bother to give most of the band any lines in the song at all so let's break down who you hear when so first verse that is stacy and backing vocals in the intro there heavily vocoded are from calvin and then in the second verse is sung by Frankie. Calvin, Stacy, and Frankie doing all the lyrics there, which means that Aaron, Rochelle, Daisy, Hannah, and Jay have absolutely fuck all to do. Brilliant. That's pop at its finest. Basically everything about it's kind of ridiculous, but it just comes together to make something brilliant. And it's a classic in my opinion. And if you don't agree, you're a homophobe because S Club A are perhaps the only British mainstream British pop band to have two out gay members because Jay and Aaron have since come out. So S Club A are officially gay rights. They're one quarter gay. They're most men at university, in my experience. One last thing to say about S Club A. This is a from the embarrassing moments section of the Smash Hits quiz book of 2003 from Calvin. I was on stage in Sheffield and one of the security guards at the side of the stage kept trying to catch my eye before looking at my trousers. I didn't know what he was on about, so I just ignored him. Later on, I looked down and saw my flyers were undone. So basically everyone who saw Escalate there in Sheffield, basically a sex offender. So you hand yourself into the police and we will hand ourselves into the arms of, at number three, The Darkness with I Believe in a Thing Called Love. might not want to throw yourself into the arms of the darkness seeing as their last song growing on me was about getting a sexually transmitted disease that's i believe in a thing called love by the darkness down from two in its second week which means that rachel stevens is fighting it out again for black eyed peas to be at number one
Yes, Rachel Stevens not quite able to match Black Eyed Peas going through to their fifth week at number one. 94,000 copies of Where Is The Love Sold in its first week, 90,000 week two, 79 week three, 70,000 week four, and now in its fifth week, 65,000 copies. So still probably a pretty good lead on that number one singers. There were number ones earlier this year getting to number one with just 30,000 copies. But will any of this be enough to get them their sixth week at number one next week? Or will Beyonce, The Strokes, Texas and the fast food rockers be able to knock the Black Eyed Peas off the top spot? You'll have to listen next week. But for now, thank you for listening to another episode. Short but perfectly formed like Lil' Kim. If you've enjoyed this, please recommend it to any pop maniacs that you know. They walk among us. Follow us on Twitter at 2000 Chart Show, at Instagram at the 2000 Chart Show. My Twitter's on hiatus at the moment because I don't want to see any Madonna tour spoilers, but we will soon be back with more pop nonsense. And of course, this podcast will be back next Wednesday with more pop nonsense. So listen in then. But for now, here is for its fifth week, Where is the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. Let your soul gravitate to the love, y'all, y'all. People killing, people dying, children hurt and you hear them crying. When you practice what you preach and what you turn the other cheek. Father, 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 help us and some guidance from above. These people got me, got me questions.